Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners, and happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast with your host, Jen. And today we're going to be discussing Deuteronomy 26. We're in a whole new chapter of Deuteronomy, and we are very close, I think, to finishing Deuteronomy. Let's see. Yeah, we only have like uh, about nine more, eight more chapters, well, nine more chapters to go out of Deuteronomy. So we are very close to finishing up and moving into season six of the podcast. I have a giveaway coming up very soon. I'm going to be announcing the details of that in the next episode or two and also um, posting that on Facebook as well. It's just a little giveaway, nothing major, but just something fun that I thought people might enjoy and uh, you guys can win something. So I'll be doing that very soon. Stay tuned for that. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 26 today, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading, as I always do, out of the WEB version or the World English Bible. But of course, I encourage all of you guys to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of. And let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 11 this morning. Grab that cup of coffee. Let's jump right in. It shall be when you have come into the land which Yahweh your God gives you for an inheritance, possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all of the fruit of the ground which you shall bring in from your land that Yahweh your God gives you. You shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. You shall come to the priest who shall be in those days and tell him, I profess today to Yahweh your God that I have come to the land which Yahweh swore to our fathers to give us. That priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before Yahweh your God's altar. You shall answer and say before Yahweh your God, My father was a Syrian, ready to perish. He went down into Egypt and lived there, few in number. There he became great, mighty, and populous nation. The Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and imposed hard labor upon us. Then we cried to Yahweh, the God of our fathers. Yahweh heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. Yahweh brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs, and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now behold, I have brought the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, Yahweh, have given me. You shall set it down before Yahweh your God and worship before Yahweh your God. You shall rejoice in all the good which Yahweh your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the foreigner who is among you. The first thing I actually noticed about this portion of scripture is how often the, the phrase Yahweh your God is used. And I think that's really important, actually, because God is very personal and he wants a personal relationship which, with each person. And it even mentions the amount of people God wants to have a relationship with basically everybody. It says, uh, you shall rejoice in all the good which Yahweh your God has given you to your house, you and the Levite and the foreigner who is among you. So basically everybody. <laughs> I think that's really the moral of this is that God just really wants to have a personal relationship with you, with each of us. And even though this was written thousands of years ago, it absolutely still applies today where God wants to have a relationship with every single human being on the planet because we're all obviously created in God's image. We are all special in that way. And so God wants to have that relationship with us. 
So verse one, it says, it shall be when you have come into the land, which Yahweh your God gives you for an inheritance to possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground and you shall bring it in from the land, which Yahweh your God gives you. You shall put it in a basket and go to the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. So this is talking about the first fruits. This means that once the first of the harvest was done of a particular grain or something, let's just say barley, because I think barley was a really important one back in those days. After the first harvest of barley happened, the Israelites would take some of that barley and they would take it in a basket and bring it to God's temple. And there they would offer it to God, almost like in a Thanksgiving first fruits kind of offering. In the book of Leviticus, we talked a whole lot about um, about first fruits and just the different offerings that a Israelite could bring to God. And first fruit was one of them. But now God is really going into the details of what the individual is supposed to do when they bring their first fruit. It's not just that they bring their first fruit. They're also supposed to like say this prayer as well. So what happens is they bring the first fruit in the basket. They go to the temple and then the priest will tell the person who brings it. I profess today to Yahweh, your God, that I have come to the land, which Yahweh swore to our fathers to give us. So this priest like does this blessing over this person. And then the person was supposed to respond. They're supposed to hand the basket to the priest where the priest would put it on God's altar. Then the person would say back to the priest and not just say it to the priest. They would say it before Yahweh, which makes a lot of sense because Yahweh's presence was there. Like the Holy Spirit was living in inside of the temple. And so when a person came to the temple and talked to one of the priests and brought one of the first fruits, technically they were in front of God. Like even though God was covered because God's presence is so mighty, God was covered by the the temple curtains. God's presence was still there. And that person was saying all of this in front of God's presence, which is a very powerful reminder, actually, Powerful because not only was it a reminder of the people that they needed to be on their best behavior when going to God's temple because God was literally there, but also how much God cares and how personal God really is that he literally lives at the temple in front of all of his people, all the people he wants to have a relationship with. And I think that's also why people were supposed to make the trip to the temple was because they would literally, each individual person would literally be in front of God's presence for a little while, at least once or twice a year, I would guess. And I mean, that's pretty personal. But if you think about it, it's even more personal nowadays because God doesn't live in the temple anymore. God's presence doesn't reside there. It resides in literally each one of us who receives the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, God quite truly lives inside of us. Like his presence makes his home in in our temples, our bodies. So it's even more personal nowadays. So anyway, this is the prayer that the person was supposed to answer. You shall answer and say before Yahweh or God, my father was a Syrian ready to perish. So basically, my father was a Gentile that God chose in a way, right? A Syrian ready to perish. 
I would guess they're talking about Father Abraham here. He went down into Egypt, lived there few in number. That's talking about, you know, Abraham's uh, grandchildren, Jacob and uh, all of his kids. They went down into Egypt. They lived there few in number, which is very true. Technically, Israel, the, the entire nation of Israel only started out from a handful of people that made a huge tribe in Egypt. They lived there few in number. There he became great and mighty and populous nation. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and imposed hard labor upon us, which is true also because the Egyptians were quite scared of how fast the Israelites were growing in their nation. They were scared that the Israelites would begin to attack them. And so the Egyptians forced the Israelites into slave labor because of how scared they were of them. So then in verse seven, it says, then we cried to Yahweh, the God of our fathers. Yahweh heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. So Yahweh brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and with wonders. And he brought us into this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I should mention that this entire thing is talking about after the people are out of the wilderness and into the promised land, which is in and of itself another special kind of promise, because the people at this time period, when this was written, were still in the wilderness. This was a nice promise that they were about to go into the promised land as well. And then that's when they would do this whole first fruit thing, as well as the prayer and everything. But anyway, God heard the cry of the Jewish people in the land of Egypt. And so he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and with wonders, which I should mention, God doing all of that, it wasn't just to destroy the Egyptians, because the land of Egypt is still around to this day. God technically never destroyed the Egyptians. The point of showing all those signs and wonders to the Egyptians was so that they would understand God's great power because God wanted the Egyptians also to worship him. And many did. Many Egyptians left with the Israelites actually and traveled into the wilderness with the Israelite people. So yeah, I mean, it was successful. So God brought us into this place. In other words, the land flowing with milk and honey. Then in verse 10, now behold, I have brought the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, Yahweh, have given me. Notice how personal this prayer is. You know, this person is talking directly to Yahweh. Then it says, you shall set it down before Yahweh your God and worship before Yahweh your God. So sorry, I misspoke. Now is when the, the Levite priest would take the basket out of the hand of the person, basically, and put it on God's altar um, or before God's altar or something. So yeah, the person had the basket in their hand this entire time. So sorry, misspoke there. It says, you shall set it down before Yahweh your God and worship before Yahweh your God. You shall rejoice in all the good which Yahweh your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the foreigner who is among you. I think this is a really important verse, actually, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with thanking God for what he has given us. I think some people think that there's something wrong with it. Like we need to focus more on repentance and praying for other people and less focus on what God has given us or ourselves, which I, I agree with that also. I think that there is a time and a place for everything. I think that culture has become very me focused and in some ways the new movement of Christianity has as well. 
So yes, I do agree in some ways that our focus should be off of ourselves in our prayer lives, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with sitting down and saying a prayer of thanksgiving to God. And actually, there's a verse in scripture that says, do everything with thanksgiving. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, praying for another person while you're giving thanks for something that you have. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with repenting to God at the same time as being thankful for something else that God has given you, like your salvation or your home or something like that. There's nothing wrong with thanking God for what he has given us. And I almost feel like people who struggle with guilt have a really hard time thanking God for the things God has given us. And notice that in verse 11, it says, you shall rejoice in all the good which Yahweh God has given to you and to your house. So, I mean, rejoicing in God for everything God has given us This is biblical. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I would say that it's actually a great practice to do. Even even non-Christians are like, keep a gratitude journal because it makes you feel happier. (laughs) But that's not really the point of having gratitude, though I would agree that, yes, gratitude does make you feel happier. But gratitude in general towards God is absolutely very biblical. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being like, God, thank you so much for the beautiful house that you've given me. You know, thank you so much. And also it's a, it's a reminder that everything we have comes from God. When we do that, if we don't thank God for the things he's given us, perhaps we might begin to think, you know, and perhaps not, but perhaps we might begin to think like, Oh, this thing that I was able to acquire was because I did such a good job at my job that I was able to afford this thing. But that's not really the case. I mean, God gives us every single thing that we own, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with appreciating God's goodness towards us, what God has given us, and thanking God daily for those those physical things that we do, in fact, have because of God's grace and goodness towards us. So I do challenge you guys to say a prayer of thanksgiving actually daily, because it's a reminder of what God has done for us on a daily basis. So we might as well thank him for it. But faithful listeners, I do hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms. Now, I encourage you guys to go over to Facebook because I'm going to be doing the details of the giveaway over there. You're going to find my Facebook uh, link in the bio of this podcast episode. Also go over to YouTube because I'm working on a brand new video about um, God's kill count. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be a fun video. That's also linked in the, the description of this podcast episode. So check out those two things and subscribe and follow the Facebook and the YouTube channel. Well, friends, I will see you all on Monday. Actually, I hope that you have a fantastic weekend and that the weather is better for you. Um, I have to say before you guys go, it started snowing as I hit record on this podcast episode and the ground is already covered and I'm very sad. I'm very sad. (laughs) Oh, I just want the snow to end, but Hey, I got to be thankful for it because God gave it to me for some reason, for some reason, snow is happening and it's a good thing, but I don't understand why. (laughs) 
Alrighty, guys. I'm kidding. But I hope that the weather is great for you all. I'll see you guys on Monday, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up and listen. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>